we're going to do something different today than we're planning on doing. Um, we are going to still proceed as time allows with our the sermon part we're going to do, but with what's going on in the world today in Ukraine and having Pastor Paul and Christine with us, if you don't know this, that Pastor Paul and Christine, who have been on staff with us now for a few months, came here from almost 20 years in the Ukraine of pastoring the International Church in Kiev. So if you've been watching the news and watching those jobs, bombs drop, that is in their backyard and their friends and their family from the church um, in, in Kiev. And they have been getting no sleep since it started because they were actually on church last night at 2, and four to, two to 4 in the morning praying with the people there. They've been up all night long, every single night, trying to help people get a lot of them out of the country uh, because of the war and help minister to the ones who are there. And so we just thought the thing that we have to do right now, and it might take five minutes and it might take 30 minutes, is we're going we're gonna to pray for Ukraine um, together today. And so we're gonna, I'm going to invite our, the people who are going to come up here, um, Pastor Paul and, and Pastor Mitch and, and Suzanne and Christine, to come up here. And we are going to um, lead in prayer. And this is what we're going to do. We're, I'm going to ask Pastor Paul first to explain to us a little idea of what's really going on there. Because we're watching CNN and, and different things like you are. And, and like I said this morning to Christine, I said, oh, the, the, the news said 40,000 people have fled across the border. And she says, no, 360,000 or something along that. So some of the information we're getting is not exactly right. And, 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 but also, you guys have a, um, you have the personal context. And you were telling myself and, and Chris and Roger this morning some, some stories of what's really going on, talking to friends who are staying in, basements or subways or whatever right now. So can you guys give us a little idea of what's really, you know, what's going on? What's the personal side of what's going on in Ukraine right now? You know, my, my uh, observation of, of the news feed is it's pretty accurate. Um, what you're seeing, if you're watching the news feeds, um, definitely we're experiencing probably something we haven't seen in Europe since World War II. It kind of feels like somebody has, has uh, struck how this is going to affect the fireworks factory, right? And uh, we don't know how this is going to affect the world in the weeks and months ahead. Uh, but on the ground, the average Ukrainian has a lot of different reactions based upon who they are and their opportunities. Um, but most are saying, I'm ready to fight. Uh, the average Ukrainian is doing their best to protect their home. I think that's a natural um, response that any of us would have if our home, the place that we cherish and love, the people that we cherish and love was put into a position where they wanted to change, to take, to transform this place. Ukraine and Russia have had a, a broken relationship since the 1930s when Stalin systematically starved to death about three and a half million people in Ukraine. So a lot of people have said, well, aren't they just Russian? They're, they're not Russian. They don't want anything to do with Russia. Um, it's broken relationship, though they're cousins. They come from the same valley. They were born from the same valley. Uh, the church itself right now, um, our loved ones, the people we care for are in basements. They're in the subway systems. Uh, during the night, no lights. And so any, anything lit up is, is, is kind of a target right now. So everybody's kind of hi hiding in the darkness. Interestingly enough, the Internet is all up, all accessible, and is showing everything to the world. And so we are in contact with people not only that are still in Kiev and in their homes, 
but also people who are trying to get over the borders. Right now, the border line is about 11 kilometers long. Uh, and if you don't have the right paperwork, you don't get out. If you're a Ukrainian, you want your family to get out. We have uh, good friends. Pastor Benjamin is one of our church planters that is working in the Cherkasy region, has planted four daughter churches from his church. He's got four boys under the age of 12 and uh, has gotten his kids to the border and moving them over the border into Poland, but no male between the ages of 16 and 60 that's Ukrainian can leave the country because it's time to fight. Um, and so families are being separated, and uh, what we're seeing is not only families being separated, but the elderly being left behind, uh, the ones who cannot travel. So all of the airports have pretty much all been bombed out now. Uh, gasoline is very, very hard to find. Food is off the shelves. No distribution is left. Um, so these are very difficult times in a country of 44 million people. Uh, you can't displace 44 million people. And so it's going to be an interesting few weeks, an uh, interesting few months. We met together as a church online today, those who could get online. And one person read a passage from Psalms 3. We just kind of left it open for people to pray and to read passages. And I was telling pastor before service, you know, I've, I grew up in Assemblies of God Church. And uh, church not much different than this one in Green Bay. And I've grown up with Psalms, but I always felt like, I always felt like David was a little melodramatic. You know what I mean? <laughs> like a little paranoid, you know, all the time. Um, until people that I love in harm's way read this passage. And I realized it was a prayer that they could only pray from Psalms. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord, I cry aloud. And he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord. Deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. And may your blessing be on your people. We have a nation that is crying out and praying that prayer. I could never pray that prayer before, and I don't even know if I can today because I'm not in the basements right now like my family is. But you bought your chairs. Interestingly enough, the church in Ukraine, we bought our chairs from the same place you bought your chairs. <laughs> We've got the same drum set. I've got the same mic. We sing the same songs with the same backgrounds. It's our body, it's our family, just in another place. And uh, I'd like to pray a, a very special prayer. Um, it's kind of something that God's put on my mind a lot lately. Um, God dealt with Nebuchadnezzar in a very unique way. Nebuchadnezzar was the most powerful man in the world, the, one of the richest men in the world. 
there was no army that could stand up against him, and he had such pride, and God brought him down. God brought him down to his hands and his knees, and he was eating grass like an animal, right, to humble him. I think there are individuals around our world that could have a dose of that. Fill in the blank. Um, so I'll pray. Okay. Thank you for the moments. Lord, we understand today that there is nothing in this universe that is outside of your control. There's nothing that's happening in this world that surprises you. And that we, as your church, in the midst of the sin and the pain and the arrogance of mankind, get the opportunity to shine your light in a very dark place. So as my prayer right now that the church of Jesus Christ shines brightly in Ukraine. I pray that the church of Jesus Christ shines brightly in Poland and Hungary and Slovakia, as the, the refugees are pouring over the borders. I pray that we, the church of Jesus Christ in the United States, get to shine brightly for the world in these days. And for the church in Ukraine right now, gets to show your light in that darkness as well. Strengthen them, Lord God. Give them what they need. Resource them, we pray. Protect them. Lord, I pray for bombs that are falling right now, Lord, make them duds. I pray for bullets that just shoot astray. Lord, I pray for my brothers from Russia and my sisters from Russia and from Belarus that I love and I cherish and that have bought into an ideology that makes no sense. Lord God, change minds and hearts today. Let, let guns just be dropped, Lord God. And Lord, if you would bring government officials who would do evil upon this world and bring them to their knees, Lord. As only you can. So Lord, we put our trust in you. And Lord, would you plant, would you plant just a seed of revival in this? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we would ask, or we, we understand from your word that Jesus, you said yourself there would be wars and rumors of war. That this is the uh, result of a world broken by sin. But Lord, we know that you came to give life and life more abundantly. That you came to change all of that. And Lord, we would ask for something that would be impossible for any man. So many things we ask, we're going to ask for. But Lord, we ask that somehow the, the eyes of the Russian people would be opened yes. to what is really going on, what they are really believing. That for those who believe it is their right to simply invade another country and kill its people until they submit, um, 
somehow thinking they have the right to do that. It's, it's really their land anyways. Somehow they believe that. Would you open up their minds and their hearts to see human beings as you have created them to be? That, Lord, the Russian people being arrested for riot. Lord, we know from the news that that's happening at least a little bit, and the news is showing that they're being arrested for rising up from within their own country. Lord, would there be such an uprising in Russia that they would that their desire to stand up and say this is wrong would supersede their fear that says, but I might be hurt for doing that. And that, Lord, if their own nation would rise up and say, we cannot, we cannot do this. Lord, we ask you to do what only you could do because that seems impossible to us because we know that as people, Lord, we see things only through the lens that we've been taught to see through so often. And we really don't know things outside of our world and they've been taught this and taught this. And, but Lord, we know you can bring light. That's what you do. You, you bring light to our hearts and our minds, our souls, so that we see things differently. Lord, we do lift up um, Putin and the other leaders of Russia. And we pray for a Nebuchadnezzar-type experience, a humbling-type experience that, that brings them to the point of understanding that they cannot just do what they want to do, but there is a God in heaven who is really in control. Lord, we pray for the precious people of Ukraine. The, the buckle of their Bible belt, as, as Pastor Paul has told us, that this is just the place where the gospel has, is strong, the strongest in that area. And that somehow through this conflict that the church would be seen in a way that it maybe hasn't been before, it would act in a way and rise up in a way that it hasn't before, it's never had to, and that somehow as a result of this, there would just be so many more people with hearts open to you than there ever has been before. And that in the scope of eternity, what the enemy means for evil would be turned to good. And somehow you would bring something very good out of this situation that is so sad and evil. God, we trust you. We know there's not anything that we can do. But we trust you in this, in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want to be done praying yet for a couple of reasons. I want you, Pastor Paul or Christine, you shared with me about a pastor in America that you contacted to help a family get, get out of the country. And I don't know what God is asking us to do, but this is what I know. And you can share that story if you want, or you don't have to share that particular story. But I want to hear how, um, I want us to have open hearts to say, what could we maybe do at this time? Because I think God's asking us to do something. I don't know what that something is. We're praying, right? We're changing our order. We're praying. That's important. But as people who care and who have resources, and we do, What's God asking us to do? And so could you just share like an idea what you said, you know, this one pastor did? Kind of tell us about that. And 
So uh, I'm not something's say, funny. I don't know what. I'm not going to say his name because uh, he always gets himself into complicated places, and uh, and he's decided just to get on an airplane and uh, fly to Budapest, and then got on a train and got to Poland, and is at the border waiting to pick up our friends, um, just because he did a missions trip with them. I introduced them. They did a missions trip together, and he's like, "I'm going." Got himself a flak jacket, put the word press on the front, and off he goes. <laughs> We've had that kind of relationship for a lot of years. and so. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I'm not advocating anyone in the room to do that, by the way. Um, but I, I think we're going to see a significant number of refugees um, coming over. Um, Meaning we may, be, we may need to open up our homes to people. I'm ready. I mean, but that's what we might have to do. Yeah. Is be saying, you know, we have an extra bedroom. I mean, that would be something that if God would put on people's hearts, I think there would be opportunities even from people from our church. Um, so my wife is amazingly always the detail person and has been plugging people over the last few days at, and places all around Europe and, and connecting people even over the last few days at Kids Blast. She's finding homes for people in different places and... Um, it's, it's pouring into Hungary and Poland, but it's only a matter of time. Um, I, I think estimations are would be looking at around 5 million refugees coming out of Ukraine. So, I'm trying to see if Christine wants to say something here. What are you going to say? This or not. No, I, I see her turning her mic on. No, but I, I just tell him to... what to say. <laughs> we all understand. It's our relationship. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Yeah, so we have talked with Assemblies of God World Missions, and there is an account that we can give for with Convoy of Hope. So right now, all the banks are down in Ukraine for the most part, so we can't actually get money in to the hands of the local pastors. So the response of Assemblies of God is through Convoy of Hope, setting up refugee services primarily in Poland right now. So, so Convoy of Hope is in their planning in route they're getting over there. Yeah. So maybe the most strategic thing we could do here is give to Convoy of Hope. It's a, it's a practical part, yes. There's a specific link like for Ukraine relief, so I can share that later. We would put that maybe on a, uh, our social media, our website, or on a Facebook or yeah. whatever. Sure, sure. To me, it all means the same thing. You know Yes, that, right? I know. <laughs> so my account, we'll goes, my account goes dark in about two days yeah. with the missions organization, so uh, there were a lot of churches that were calling and saying, we're ready to give, and and uh, so the Convoy of Hope stepped up and created the account, and, and they're ready to run. So you will, have a, you will make available to our church family an account that if people feel directed to give, and I think we will, out of our Kingdom Builders account, we'll, we'll be meeting tomorrow, we'll meet and we'll decide what is God asking us to do out of our Kingdom Builders account. Um, maybe one of the reasons we didn't go on missions trips for the last two years, and we said this at our annual meeting, is we have a surplus right now because we, we, we canceled two missions trips. Maybe it's time to, to give significantly from our Kingdom Builders account um, to Convoy of Hope right now. Which, if you don't know what Convoy of Hope is, Convoy of Hope is, a, is the uh, humanitarian aid branch of the Assemblies of God. It is a huge organization um, that goes across America and around the globe and does humanitarian aid. Um, and so when we give directly to that, and it's, it's um, run through our organization so we know the money is used really well and it's not wasted in administration. 
Um, what you give goes there uh, to the needs. And so it is a very trustworthy organization to give to, and they are quick at responding to things. So like hurricanes hit, our people are there. Wars hit, our people are there. And so um, we'll get that link. I'd also say, like, if I know it's kind of random, but if anyone has any connections in Poland, uh, Romania, Slovakia, mm-hmm. Hungary, uh, any of those countries that are willing to help host people, just talk to me because I've got a lot of people that are trying to get places to stay and assistance. And so getting getting also even financial assistance to some people in Ukraine right now is really difficult because of the, the bank situation. So just trying to find people to to be agents, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so if you have relatives, you have friends, you have business associates that are in those parts of the world, those border countries, you know, you have a whole bunch of friends right now, Christian people who are trying to escape and have nowhere to go. I mean, some of your friends, you said they got across the border and are staying in Airbnbs, and they're making, just making food and distributing it to refugees. Yeah. And so um, there's going to be all kinds of opportunities on how we can help, help people as they're fleeing this war. So let's pray that the Lord will... Go ahead. And I was going to say, as you're talking about that, I just feel really compelled that we should pray for the miraculous, that the Ukrainian people will experience the same thing that the children of Israel did, that they were up against the sea and God parted it, that, uh, you know, Jesus is teaching the multitudes and they had loaves and fishes, but they were able to feed them all. Um, And, you know, we have not because we ask not. And we know that around the world, there's hundreds of thousands of people praying, and we can come up with plans, which that's what God's asked us to do, right? He he gives us things to give it away. But right now, hearing, you know, the borders are lined up and there's no place to go, we need the miraculous. And what we should do. Only a God thing. And And so I want you to lead us in prayer for that and, you know, and what we should do. But just so we, we understand, Ukraine is like Wisconsin. It's cold. It's winter. They're fleeing families, little children, in winter. Yeah, and they're, they're, when they get across the border, they have to wait for so long to find places or whatever, and it's getting colder, especially if you're watching the news in Poland. They were talking about that as well. So it's, a, it's not like you get to the border and you cross the border. I have a friend who waited 21 hours to get across the border um, you know, and now you've got kids and you've got no food and you've got no, you know, so it's a lot. It's cold. It's, it's the clothes on your back and whatever you threw in your bag before you, you know, escaped. Yeah. So, I mean, we can't even imagine what it is. You just leave your house with a backpack and your kids holding your hands and walk, drive your car till you can't go any far. A lot of them don't even have cars. Get as far as you can and just start walking to try to just flee. Now you, okay, you, now you're in Poland. Now what? If you made it, if you're the few who have made it, now what? And so, I mean, that just brings the human reality down to this. This is, the, this is winter. And, I mean, and you had showed, shared with me earlier the reason that they invaded now was because it's winter, because the stuff is frozen so they can drive tanks. I mean, they waited till the coldest time so that the tanks could come across from Russia. Were you going to share something now, Christine? No. So, Suzanne, why don't you lead us in prayer for just the miraculous and for God moving our hearts to know what whatever we should do and be open going forward. Oh, Father, we thank you that you have given us your word as an example 
of who you are and how you work. And Lord, today I just feel so impressed in my spirit to just come together corporately and say, Lord, would you do the miraculous in the lives? Lord, this isn't just a huge country. These are individual people, people that you created, people that you have called by name, people that are seeking you and searching for you. And Lord, they're caught in the middle of of what sin has brought into our world. And that's war and destruction. And so your word tells us we have not because we ask not, and this is not a name, a claim it. This is just going before our Father and saying, Lord, would you do what only you can do? Lord, would you um, open up those borders? Lord, would you um, provide homes on the other side of those borders? But, Lord, until the people get to the border to the other side, Lord, would we have testimonies of you providing the same way you did for the children of Israel, that when people are up against the wall and the the bombs are falling, the fear is there that, Lord, you would provide the way out. Lord, that you, like Pastor Paul prayed, Lord, that the missiles would be duds and the the bullets would would go away uh, in directions that they were meant to go. But, Lord, would you provide the very practical things that people need for living? Lord, would you provide water and food and clothes and protection, Lord, for for these people? Lord, would um, would they experience moments, Lord, where it's like the the, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, where they realize, Lord, yes, we're in this horrible place, but you're standing here with me, and they are not harmed. They are not hurt. Lord, would this, would these experiences that you allow for your people in Ukraine right now, Lord, served as a testimony and a, a story of your goodness and your mercy. Lord, we ask, Lord, for, for minimal, minimal casualties, Lord. Lord, we pray for the children, God. the ones that you are raising up to be our next generation of leaders. Lord, we know sometimes the greatest thing that can happen is we we walk through hard stuff in order to experience you. Lord, would these kids not sit in fear? Lord, would you guard their hearts and their minds in you? Would you give parents and grandparents wisdom? And knowing how to speak peace over these little ones now. Lord, we trust you. We trust you to be every circumstance, mighty, miraculous, working God that you are in every circumstance. And Lord, I pray that in our moments today that you would move our hearts to show us what you're asking us to do. Lord, because I thank you that we, we have a church body that believes in supporting missions, that believes in partnering with people to reach people for Christ, to meeting practical needs of people all around this world. And right now we're just in a very unique season where we have such a, a, a tight connection with Ukraine and Lord, as I've, as I've talked with Christine and said, it's not, it's not, um, 
it's not outside of your view that they are here. You brought them here at this time. They are not there, and there's a reason for that. That's not that's your strategic moving. That's not us orchestrating that. So for some reason, Lord, you have have placed Ukraine as a special place within this body. So give us wisdom. Give us open hands. Give us open hearts. Give us willing hearts to do and to go and to give however you're asking us to. And so we trust them. We, we hold this entire nation before you, our brothers and sisters in Christ before you, and those that are seeking you that, that can find you in these days before you. And say, would you move as only you can? In your powerful name, amen. real life stuff with real people that look just like us, you know, and uh, they're made in the image of God. So thank you guys for sharing your unique perspective on, on Ukraine and what's going on and, and or I think I'm going to summarize our entire, so what happened is we have a panel up here that was supposed to take 30 minutes and talk about um, the next, our next point of, of um, our I Love My Church series. And so we, we've met and we're having this panel discussion we're going to have today based on this. But as we're praying, um, and I'm going to give you guys an opportunity because we'll wrap up within the next 10 or 15 minutes, um, to add anything you want, maybe one, one strategic comment if you want. But here's what I want to explain. As if we're praying, I'm like, no, this is exactly the right way to teach what this sermon was supposed to be about. What this sermon was about today, remember, we're, I love my church series, and we looked what week one we said, and what, if you're visiting, what that means is not, we're not trying to celebrate Fort View in particular, um, although we do love our church, but we're looking at what's the scripture say about the church, meaning our individual gathering of believers, and there's individual gatherings in Kiev right now. So it's the big C, C church, the big C church, meaning the church globally, but we're the local expression of that church. And so what's God asking us? What's his dream for our future? And how evaluate? How are we doing? How do we go forward? And we looked what week one. We did three weeks this year. We do between one and four weeks every year in February to, to do an evaluation. How are we doing? What's God taking us forward to do? And um, in, in week one, we asked this question, post-COVID, do we even need the church? Because we understand this across the world right now, way less people go to church. And we talked about the reality of our situation at Portview, looking at right now that honestly, in this room right now, there are probably 60% of the people who are here pre-COVID. Now, we also talked about how we don't think we've really lost people. They just somehow COVID has said, okay, it's okay to stay home and in in, in drink a cup of coffee and go to church or just not go. And we don't understand why that is, but it's what's happening. It's not here, but it's happening globally. So week one, we asked the question, do we even need the church anymore? And the resounding response was from Scripture, absolutely more than ever we need the church. Then week two, we talked about, so then what's the most important thing about the church? We talked about the heart of our church. And then as Portview Church, we're people who care. And it's who we are. It's always who you are before what you do. It's being before doing. And we spent all last week talking about being people who care why that matters, that our heart is right, that out of, out of abundance of our heart, what needs to flow. And we, we talked about how it's what, that it is, it is the, you know, the heart of God is to love people. However, he's called us to do that. And so we talked about last week. Well, this week was, out of that right heart, what are we supposed to do? And 
And as we're praying, I'm saying, this is the sermon. You are the sermon. This strategic moment is the sermon. What are we supposed to do out of a right heart? We're supposed to do it. And it may, and I hope it actually does, I hope it costs us something. I mean, it costs us inconvenience because we live in a place, and Suzanne and I prayed this morning. We pray every morning in bed. Before we get up, we pray together. And we both had the same kind of thoughts when we were waking up. And we prayed, God, it's so, it is so hard to stay actively engaged in what you're doing when you live in Laodicea. You know, in the book of Revelation, Laodicea, the church of Laodicea, it was described this way, rich and well-fed and in need of nothing. That's how they were described. And you can't have more of a Laodicea environment than Ozaki County or Washington County, Wisconsin. It is. And, and I'm grateful for abundance. God, God designed us to live in a garden in abundance. That's God's plan. Humanity, heaven is abundance. God's not in, God's not in favor of war or, or scarcity. But we live in abundance, and sometimes living in abundance can make us numb to just the reality because we're accumulating and we're planning and we're, and we're running. We're running at warp next speed so we don't have time to sit and listen to God um, because we live in this environment. And we can, our prayer this morning was, God help us, help us to, if we are becoming just cold and, and dead and focused on the wrong things, would you pre, please change our hearts so that we are alive in you and risking and sacrificing like we always have. Um, and, and taking huge risks for God. God, what are you asking us to do? And so that fl- flows out of a right heart. The, the text that we we're going to use, um, one of them, um, was that, that I quoted at the end of last sermon, and said we talk about it, was Jesus said in Luke 6.45, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And what good things is God challenging us? And will he challenge us to in the days going forward to do, not just tied to Ukraine, but, but our whole community and our kids and our grandkids. And I, I, I meant what I said. Just maybe God's raised you up and gave you a surplus so you can send your kid to OCS. Or the neighbor kid. I don't know. But what's God going to ask us to do? Out of our good hearts, what's God going to challenge us to do? And it's always risky and it always is it's costly. It's, it's inconvenient to follow the Lord. It really is. In a good way, it's inconvenient. And so um, we have, if you guys would put up Pete up on the thing, on the screen. Is Pete up there? Yeah. So our, our illustration, for our sake and for your sake, on understanding what things in general, like the biblical definition of what we should be doing, is Pete. And there's five areas that... that um, that we know that we have to be engaged in. And, and so like, so this idea of, of um, helping people in Ukraine is serving. So look at you know, one of the one leg of Pete. It's a serving. It's how can we serve passionately, because our little tagline is serve passionately with the love of Jesus. How do we serve passionately with the love of Jesus? What's God going to ask us to do in this coming year? In 2022, what's God going to ask us to do? What's he going to ask you to do? What sacrificial giving is he going to ask us to do? And let's be a people who walk out of today just saying, God, I don't know what yet, but I'm, I'm open to whatever it is. Out of my good heart, out of my heart that's touched by Jesus, I want to just be willing to, to do it, whatever it is in your life. Because what it is for you is different than what it is for me. So let's just, let me say the five, 
and I'll give any one of you an opportunity because you all came prepared to do a whole bunch of stuff, but you know what? Any, so let's start with worship. The, the, the one thing that we know as you flow out of our good heart is living lives of worship, meaning not singing songs in church. That's part of worship. That's an expression of corporate worship, but living lives of worship um, where every day we're putting God in that high, exalted place. So do any one of you have a comment you'd like to make about this? I'm going to run us through this thing in 10 minutes, and we're going to pray. I'll go ahead since I have not <laughs> spoken yet. I need to get some words out. Um, I think for me, the, the way that it's always been framed in my mind is in Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about how we have been adopted as his sons and through the redemption of his blood and that we are to the praise of his glorious grace. And so I, I think of that in just the, I'll try to be brief, in just the way that whatever I do, however I act, whatever my behavior is, greatness and it to reflect God's goodness and his, his greatness and his glory. And I want to show that he is worth something really big in my life, that I'm showing the worthship that he has. And, and so, you know, as I go through the day, you know, whether it's here or out there, I want to be doing things that are going to bring him honor. So there are times where I might want to be seething mad and, and react or do something, but I also say, but Lord, I want you to be glorified and I want to bring you praise and honor. And so I feel like that is, you know, an overarching type of mindset for some of the practical everyday things of just let's be faithful. Let's, let's do a good job. Let's do these things. Let's be kind uh, to those around us. And, and the, that's, I guess, the expression of worship in everyday life for me. All right. So in everything, we are showing his worth and his, we're honoring him by how we react to our kids or our coworkers. Mm-hmm. All right. So we can all do that going forward, how we can worship God in our everyday lives. Um, after that, we have reaching. Reaching is about reaching. We have reaching seekers is our thing. Um, and let me, let me just share this. Our reaching motto or, or process had been, uh, we called it invest and invite. It wasn't original with us. It's what we always did, but another author had, temper, temp, had penned that term, and we started using that, meaning you make friends with people, you invite them to church. And I think that's still legitimate, but we can just see right now what's happening, especially now maybe COVID completely goes away and people can be free, free gathering again, but we're not sure how, how, um, how readily your friends will come to church with you. We just don't know right now. We're trying to figure it out, right? But invest and invite's not really the, supposed to be the main way. Um, how would we, how can we reach people? And maybe you don't respond and I can respond or whatever, but how can we reach people in this environment? today because your friends and neighbors matter to God more than our bank accounts and our schedules. So God's placed us here on purpose, all of us, all of you, to, to be light in this darkness and to bring people into his kingdom. So what thoughts does anybody have about that? So I would say, um, thinking about something we've recently done, Night to Shine, um, in just being able to show the love of God to our community in practical ways and in ways that 
honor people, uh, not just honor the people that come here. And so I think it's important that when we're thinking about reaching out, we're not just reaching out necessarily to our immediate even family, but just all the opportunities we have in our community and to partner with different, um, yeah, expressions of love to the community. So any way we can be the love, because our heart, our heart is people who care, right? So any way we can be that people amongst people who don't know Jesus yet, that that is our goal. Yeah, and you know, Scripture says that, they, that the world is going to know that we're his disciples by our love for each other. And my, my struggle, I think I mentioned it a few weeks ago, my struggle with that Scripture is I see people who aren't believers in Christ that are really good at loving each other. So what that means is we need to be so over the top in how we love for people, so extravagant in how we react to the needs of each other that they go, wow, Jesus must be in them. So I think it's not just love. It's love that costs something. Sure. So a couple years ago, most Mays, we read a book. Um, the church buys it, and we all read it together, and I mention it throughout the month. And uh, I don't know that we're doing that this year. Uh, we kind of talked about maybe not for, for some specific reasons not doing it this year. But one or two years ago, we read a book by a guy named Frost called Surprise the World. Anybody remember that book? You all got a copy of it. I see zero hands. So that means no one else read it. We gave it out for free. You all got it for free. That's why we're not probably doing it this year. That was our conclusion. We do it. We talk about it. But we, here's the deal. We can bring... All, now, don't, don't be offended. I can bring a horse to water, but I can't make a drink. And we're trying to figure out what's the right way to bring a horse to water. What's the right way to do things that actually works? Um, and so we kind of concluded we're not sure the book thing is working. But that book that we all got that you have on your bookshelf somewhere or you use as fire starters in your house um, called a question about living a way that you would be called a questionable person, that you would live in such a way in the world that the people around you would question and say, why in the world are they that nice? You said over the top, kind, loving, generous, whatever. Over the top, that they go, what in the world's different about you? And they question, why are you that way? And that becomes the opportunity then to tell them about Jesus. And so, um, so dig that book, I'll surprise the world. It's only about that thick. And uh, read it. It's a really great book. It was called Bells. Remember that? The Bells acronym we went through? We did it every week for four weeks. <laughs> Suzanne's saying, it's okay, Mark. Um, so, um, but anyway, being questionable people, right? So, reaching. And let's face it, reaching, if we don't reach, that's the reason God has us here. One of the five, but a super important reason God's given us the responsibility of reaching people for him. And so, it's, I mean, we can, it doesn't have to be a certain book we read, but that's why we, that's why we have air in our lungs. And I'm, I'm not sure if I should share this here or the connecting. Um, Whichever, you can one. go to connecting but next th if you want. Has, it, it has two. So, so I was talking with somebody this week that um, newer to Portview, and I was, and I went home and I told Mark, I'm like, Yes, like this was a beautiful thing. So part of the way that they were reached was because of what they experienced when they came in, which was overwhelming love. And the reason they're connecting is because of the love that they're experiencing in the body. 
And so, you know, this component of reaching, like Pastor Paul said, just extravagant love is huge. Um, when we were talking, one of the comments um, that was made is that somebody asked her, how can I pray for you today? A simple question just made them feel so loved and valued that it really changed their whole perspective about, okay, this is really what Jesus is. This is what relationship with Jesus is. And then, you know, makes them desire the next point, which I don't know if we were going there next, but the connecting part. Well, you're, you're doing connecting yeah, right now. Yeah, so I know. So it's kinda, no, it's perfect because we're almost you know, out of time. Right. You know, <laughs> but, but, but that's how you... Keep her going. But that's how you connect, right? Because if somebody feels loved, then they're not going to push you away. You're, you're not going to draw closer to somebody if you feel pushed away. What, what draws you close and makes the connection is that, that love for one another. So. And, and the only, I'll make, I'll just summarize connecting in this comment because there's one comment I really thought we should say. The church can't structure your ability to connect. The church world has struggled forever to figure out how do we help people connect. And here's the, here's the conclusion. We can't. It's a personal obligation. We can try to put events to bring people together, but the fact of the matter is it takes people willing to connect with people to, like we're going out to lunch with a family from church today. Um, arrange it in advance. We're going to, to connect. It takes effort. It takes somebody picking up the phone. It takes, it takes time. And it, you know, it, so that, it, no one can do it for you. So when people say, I don't have any friends, there's only one person that can fix it. And we exist to connect together. So it's one of the things we're supposed to do as a church. We connect. Um, we connect, and our, our, our tagline is, we connect authentically with others in the family of God. So it's about connecting with other Christians. And with that other group of Christians, then we reach those who don't know Jesus yet. And the last one, then, really, because we talked about serving already with Night to Shine, you brought it up, and we talked about just this idea of right now, Ukraine, how can we serve? And the other one is growing. And growing, we talk about the triangle of change, triangle of transformation, which is all, you know, we do it through all of our stuff, but it's our, our focus on that is our Wednesday nights, that we address the narratives we believe, which means you got to actually read a book, maybe. Um, and then we do it, um, we engage, and I didn't even think about that when I said, when I meant that, you got to actually read a book. Our Wednesday night people do read books, um, it take energy, so you read a book, you understand, I'm not thinking exactly biblically accurate, I then um, engage in some activities that will open up my heart to the available presence of the Holy Spirit, so we do spiritual exercises, whether that's reading a book, or, um, or praying, or through it, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We do it with a group of people, other corner of the triangle, all helping each other through it, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the, the triangle of transformation that we talk about around here a lot. Our main, our main place we try to, to, to flush that out the most is our Wednesday night programs. Our Wednesday night classes, kids classes, adult classes, which are all designed on purpose to fulfill this. And the only other point I'll make about this is in the growing aspect, and, and, and we've talked most in a meeting, we just had a two-day um, it was funny, we called it a retreat. It was no retreat. It was exhausting planning sessions for two days. Um, was saying that um, because COVID, we let a lot of things go. One of the things that we want to really reemphasize here is our home point ministry. Which our home point ministry, you know, there's a display out there, but does no good if it's not utilized. It's for you moms and dads 
to help you at every developmental stage of raising your kids, knowing what resources are available for you to help you raise your kids for Jesus. That we're providing the resources and we can give guidance, but they're there for you to use for your kids and your grandkids. And we just thought how in 2022 we've got to start reemphasizing Home Point again because it's a, a way for, to help you, you personally grow and help your family grow. Okay? So those are the five reasons we exist according to, according to Acts 2, 44 to 46 is what we would have looked at today and drawn those out of it. Um, and so Pete helps us understand that. And so I just think it's a great season for us to right now say, out of a heart church that, that, that somebody can come in and say, I'm so amazed by the love of this congregation. It's unique. It's different. I feel it. That from that, we then say, now what do we do? And we say, God, show us what you want us to do as a church and uniquely for people. We got the general framework. Pete shows the general framework, but how that fleshes out is as unique as who you are. All right? So let's pray together. Close our service up. Our kids' workers are keeping our kids longer than they're supposed to. So, Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for, for giving us the ability to say we need to adjust to what's the most important thing. And the most important thing right now for us was to say, God, out of the hearts you've given us, transformed hearts, we want to be a people who then uh, respond and do. And Lord, part of the doing is going to be all about Ukraine right now because it's just, it's just big. And, but Lord, there's other things you're asking us to do. And Lord, we would ask that we'd have ears that hear that we would be bold people who are willing to take big risks with you. And that, Lord, as we hear your voice asking us, well, you're, going to bring, you're going to speak collectively through the leadership of this church, and you're going to speak to us as individuals. And, Lord, here's the deal. We know this, that doing the work activity of the kingdom is really our highest mission and calling above anything else. And so, Lord, in 2022, would you just help us to be a people who feel engaged in the mission, that we're not sidetracked by Laodicea, but that we live in the midst of this world with all of its abundance and all of its opportunities and all of its resources so that we can be used by you in amazing ways, in world-changing ways. So I pray you'd bless each one in your goodness, in your presence. And I pray this, Lord Jesus. I pray that the Lord would bless everyone and keep us. That the Lord would make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. That the Lord would lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. I know it's a little different than we planned. That's okay, right? God bless you all. If you would like prayer, we'll be up here to pray with you. Otherwise, let's go be the people who are doing what God asks us to do as we go forward. Amen? God bless you.